is the third Wednesday of the month. And uh, as you all know, if you attend here on a regular basis, we always do a missions emphasis. And uh, I'm really, really, really excited about what we're going to be doing today. Um, last August, we had our, uh, July or August, I, I guess it was July, we had our church picnic. And uh, I met this individual while I was there. And uh, man, this guy, when, when he began to share with me some of the things that God is doing in and through his life, I just became mesmerized. I mean, I was just drawn into hearing what God is doing, not just through this individual, but through his team, through the ministry of what it is that he's doing, which is involving the United States of America as well as other nations, and in particular, Africa itself. And uh, when I was talking to John and hearing some of these stories, I said to him, man, I've got to have you come to Word of Life. You have got to come and share some of the things that God is doing in you and through you through your ministry, what's happening in America, what's happening around the world. And uh, so we have him today. We're going to do this differently. So for those of you, I know we have a couple of people ready for the offering. We're going to take up this offering at the end of the message, at the end of the message. So you, you don't need to stand there that whole time. You can relax. Uh, so we're going to do it a little bit different today than what we normally do. And uh, so what we're going to do, would you please welcome Pastor John Koch to come on up and he's going to minister to us today. Bless you, man. Awesome. Thank you, Pastor Andy. God is faithful, isn't he? God is definitely faithful. And um, it's just a privilege to be here today and to be able to minister God's word uh, to, to God's people. Uh, that's a true honor. Um, yeah, we met in the summer, and uh, it was interesting because um, we were visiting several other churches in, in this area, and our friends attend, uh, attend this church, and they said, well, in between the morning and evening service, why don't you stop by for a church picnic, and uh, I believe that God does everything for a purpose, amen? There are no coincidences with God. So my name is uh, Pastor John Tkach. Uh, Tkach is Ukrainian for weaver, so if you translate it, it means weaver. Maybe I had weavers in my family. At some point, um, our ministry is called God Will Provide uh, International Mission, God Will Provide Evangelical Churches, uh, Global Association, and uh, 13 years ago or 14, the Lord, uh, he called us to start this ministry, and uh, we thought, what should we call this ministry? And we were reading the book of Genesis where it is written that uh, the Lord spoke to Abraham and told him, take your son, your beloved son, the one, your only son, the one whom you love, and bring him to me as a sacrifice. And he gets up in the morning. He's walking up this mountain with his son. And his son says, Father, where is the sacrifice? We have everything, but where is the sacrifice? And he told him, Jehovah Jireh, God will provide us a sacrifice. And that's why we named our ministry uh, Jehovah Jireh, God will provide, uh, because he is truly our provider. Amen. And uh, at times I wish we named it Abundant Life or something like that. It would have been a little easier in ministry because uh, when you trust in God the provider, often he does what he did with Abraham is he provides last minute. He provides when there is no other 
resource, no other uh, door to open. And at the last moment, he says, I am God, your provider. I will provide for you. Praise God for that. I would like to read two passages today. And the first passage I will read is Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6, it is written here, and this is a passage I think most of us know. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I would also like to read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. Now the righteous, or the just, shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul is not pleased with him, or my soul has no pleasure with him. If anyone shrinks back, if anyone wavers, the Bible says, my soul is not pleased with him. Now, I remember reading this passage, and I was thinking to myself, Lord, that's kind of not fair. We shake and waver in our path often as believers, do we not? We go through different hardships, and uh, we doubt God at times, and the Bible says that my soul is not pleased with him. If anyone shrinks back, if anyone draws back, if anyone wavers in their path, and I was thinking, Lord, wouldn't you... Pity the people that lack faith. Wouldn't you feel sorry for them? Wouldn't you have some compassion? Why does your word say that you are not pleased with such people? And I received the answer that God, he gave us many promises in his word. The Lord promised so much to us. Every page in the Bible almost has God's promises to us in it. And when we don't trust the Lord... In a sense, we offend him. Do you remember the Israelites in the wilderness? They did not trust God. They grumbled, and he became angry with them. And just imagine this illustration. If my wife came home with groceries, and she would tell me, uh, Hey, John, I bought New York strips, some steak. It's in the car. Can you go get the groceries? They're in the car. I bought your favorite steak. And I would tell her, no, I won't go to the car because I don't believe you. I don't believe that you would buy my favorite steak, my favorite food. Would that offend her? Would that hurt her feelings? It would, wouldn't it? That I don't trust her. I don't believe what she said. And in the same manner, God gave us so many promises in his word. And often we doubt. And therefore, the word of God says... The righteous, the just, shall live by faith. Today I would like to just speak about faith and just encourage us to believe the Lord. Um, we moved to the East Coast from Portland, Oregon four years ago. Um, it dates back a little bit before that. In 2010, we visited New York um, and New York City, and we just wanted to do some street evangelism. So there were four of us that flew in, and we visited every major city of New York. Our last stop was New York City, and we did street evangelism. We, did, we preached on, on Times Square and in the subways. We handed out gospel tracts to people. We, we prayed for some people. And uh, 
there was a certain area where we ministered, where we faced a lot of opposition. And uh, the people would get in our face and tell us, shut up and be quiet. We don't want to hear this. Um, and you're disturbing the peace. And that was our last stop. And then we got into uh, the plane. We were flying home. And I was just grieved that there are people that don't want to accept the gospel, don't want to accept God's word. And I remember um, I was studying the gospel of John at that time. And a plane is the perfect place to read God's word and study it. So I pull out my bookmark and I began to read these chapters where the Pharisees and the Jews, they opposed Christ. And they even told him, you have a demon in you. And he said, if you don't believe me and my words, then believe me for my works because I came from the Father. And as I was reading this, this compassion came over me and this grief for these people that were not accepting God's word. And I began to pray. And as I was praying, I, I, I saw this vision or this, this mental picture where I was walking on, on the streets of New York and uh, New York City and I was, I was praying for the city. And then I continued to pray and I saw myself walking a boy on the street and uh, the Lord spoke to me through the Holy Spirit. The time will come and you will minister in these places. The time will come and your children will be raised in these places. At that time I wasn't married. I didn't have any kids in 2010. And four years later, or five, which is four years ago, now the Lord called me and my family to move to the East Coast. And we moved, we thought we'd be living in New York City, God closed those, those doors, and we moved in uh, New Jersey into the area, which is still 30, 40 minutes from New York City. And uh, we just began to pray. My family and one more family that moved, God, what do you want to, us to do on the East Coast? God, what is your purpose for us? And uh, we came with little money, and we knew we had to plant a church, and in the future, a, a, a rehab center, a life change center for those struggling with addiction. And um, we just began to pray every day, every week. I think a month or two went by, we receive a phone call. And someone tells us, we want to donate a home to your ministry uh, for a life change center. And uh, we, were, we were just thrilled. We were, uh, you know, just rejoicing. And we get the keys to this home. We, we, we drive to this home, which is an hour drive from us in Philadelphia. And um, we opened the doors, and, and we were in shock. This home was such a disaster. Uh, the home, no one lived in it for over a year. It wasn't winterized. The, the pipes in the winter burst. The home was filled with water. The floors, the hardwood floors were warped. There was mold on the ceilings um, and, and everywhere. And I remember we called an electrician over uh, to just inspect the electrical. And he said, there are so many fire hazards with the way the electrical was, was done. In, uh, you know, not the right way. I, I would just strongly recommend that you rip out all of the sheetrock from this whole house. And I will do the wiring for free. I will help your ministry. And uh, I remember driving home from there and praying and saying, Lord, what did we get ourselves into? Like, we have no money for a full remodel. We thought, you know, we'd paint the walls and, and have a team move out here and, and start a center. Uh, so that, you know, young people can be set free from addiction. 
and here we have to do a full remodel, and we don't have money for that. And I, I was just praying, and, and I think within a day or two, Victor, that's with me today, he flew in from Portland to visit us. And he says, oh, by the way, someone gave you this envelope. Um, and, and I take this envelope, I open the envelope, and there was a check for $7,777 to the ministry. And the Lord spoke to me at that moment, you do my work, and I'll take care of the finances. Praise God. We began a complete remodel. Everything from insulation to, to sheetrock to electrical to plumbing to, to the heating system, everything. And by the time we were done with the house, there was a, close to $40,000 that we put into this home. And we don't know where the money came from. And uh, we started with zero and we ended with zero. And God just sent money on, in time. And there was a, a moment when a team from Massachusetts, they came down and they bought the whole heating and air conditioning system, HVAC system. And uh, they told us, you, you guys still owe us $2,000. And uh, we, we need to collect that before we move, we go back after the install. And I said, well, we don't have this money right now. Is there any way we can make payment plans? And, and they said, no, we, we bought everything cash and not in credit. And therefore, we, we will need that money. And I remember when I received this phone call, I was in Alaska. And I was officiating a couple of a young man that, that God delivered and set free, and he asked me to come officiate him, uh, his wedding. And I'm in Alaska, and I remember praying, saying, God, I don't know what to do right now. We need $2,000. We don't have this money. And, and how do I pay these individuals for doing the heating system and the air conditioning? And uh, after this, I receive a phone call. And someone calls me and says, listen, I'm in, in one of your centers, and I was told to give you a call. You guys have some hardwood flooring that's set aside um, that I would like to buy. And uh, I'm like, yeah, we were trying to sell it. It wasn't selling for a long time. I, I even forgot we had that hardwood flooring. Um, there's a thousand square feet of it. How much would you like to buy for it? Uh, pay for it, just give us a price. He says, well, I'll pay $2 a square foot. Will $2,000 be enough? And I said, yes, that's exactly what we need right now. And uh, Yes, by God's grace, we completed the remodel. We had a team come in from, from uh, a couple states, and uh, we started a program, a, a Life Change Center program, and God began to just set young people free through, through the word and through prayer and, and, and through a, a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And uh, now our, our center is full. We're praying for a bigger house. Uh, within the next couple months, we believe God will provide us a bigger house. Um, in New Jersey for us to expand our men's program. God is good, amen? amen? So the Bible says the righteous shall live by faith. God called, calls us today to live by faith. God calls us to put our trust in him. If it's God's will, he'll pay the bill, amen? If he leads us somewhere, we need to trust him. And, and he will provide and, and he will meet every need and his will, the Bible says, is perfect. It's acceptable, it's good, and it's perfect. And, and what does perfect mean? Perfect is like a clock where uh, every single gear, every single thing in that clock works at the perfect time, but even in 100 years, it's still, the, the, the time is still accurate. The same, in the same manner, God's will is perfect for our lives, and we just need to trust Him. I also read this passage where it, it says in Hebrews 11:6. Without faith, it is impossible 
to please God. Because he, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Without faith, we cannot please God. Sometimes we can win favor from uh, as children, you know, from parents by doing chores. By doing other things they require of us. But with God, without faith, you cannot please him. See, faith is the only currency that God accepts. There, there's no other currency. There's nothing else that pleases God. Because he done, he's done everything for us. He paid the ultimate price on the, on the cross with Jesus shedding his blood. God did everything for us and he just requires faith. There's two things that Jesus marveled at when he was on this earth. The first is belief and the other, was di the other thing was disbelief when people did not believe. And therefore, we must believe that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. He rewards those that diligently seek him. God wants us to know this and to seek him and he will reward us. I remember when I was saved in 2004, I was 19 years old. I was in addiction. I was in and out of jail. I uh, struggled in my life and I had a very poor relationship with my father. I had a lot of bitterness towards him, a lot of resentment, a lot of unforgiveness. And I used as that as an excuse to just destroy my life with drugs, with everything. And, and I didn't care about anything. And my mom was a prayer warrior. She just continuously prayed for me. And she would get these reports that your son just overdosed the other day. And then she would get reports that your son was just arrested the other day. And that did not shatter her faith. I remember at age 16, I no longer lived at home. I rarely on occasion would stop by just because I felt sorry for my mom. And I remember walking in, often drunk or high, and she would tell me these words every time. She would tell me, I am praying for you to become a minister and a preacher. And I would get so angry because I knew that this woman was a woman of God and God listens to her. And I wanted nothing to do with church and Christianity or anything that she was talking about. And I would tell her, I forbid you to pray for me. Stop with your prayers. I want nothing of that sort. No preaching for me. No ministering for me. Nothing like that. I know what Christians are like. And I don't want to be like them. And she just continued to pray. Even though she would get these reports. Even though she knew the police was looking at me for times. At times. And she would not give up. She would continue to pray. And the time came when I hit rock bottom. My rock bottom was I overdosed on ecstasy. And then a week after that, by God's mercy, I, without the hospital, I, I recovered. And a week after that, I was in a car accident where um, a, a trailer, commercial trailer that hauls bulldozers sliced my, my car open like a can of sardines, the end of the trailer. And, and uh, I, I, I wasn't supposed to be alive, but for some reason I, I was alive and on, I was not hurt at all. And, and a week after that, I got three criminal charges on a Saturday. I, but I got booked and released and 
A week after that, I got three more charges. And I remember sitting in an isolation cell in handcuffs because I was so aggressive. And I began to analyze my life. And I realized that everything I was living was a lie. Everything that Satan was offering me was a complete lie. And at that moment, that was my defining moment when I, I, I began to despise sin. I began to despise everything that this world offered. And I was released Sunday morning at 3 a.m. And when I was released, I had one phone call. I, I called my younger brother. He was 17 at the time. He picked me up from uh, downtown, from city center, Portland, Oregon. And he took me to my parents' house. He gave me his bed. And uh, he said, just sleep on, on my bed. He wakes me up in the morning. He says, come to church with me. And I was thinking, I have nothing to lose. Sure, I'll go with you to church. So I went to church with him. I sat in the very back. And there was a guest speaker preaching that day. And he spoke on a first love. And repent and turn back to your first love. And, and the Holy Spirit began to just touch my heart. And I began to remember youth camps and teens camps and summer camps and, and, and the prayers there and how, how, how the Lord touched me at, at those camps. For some reason, it, the Lord began to remind me of my childhood and his closeness to me when I was still innocent. And, and, and then there was an altar call to surrender your life to God and to repent of your sins. And I remember I ran to the front of the stage. I remember I just had this realization that I'm such a sinner. And I, I was asking the Lord for forgiveness. And when the service was over, the prayer was over, I stood up and I had this joy of salvation. God set me completely free from my addictions. God set me free that day from smoking a pack of cigarettes a day, from using heroin, from fornication, from so many things. The Lord just set me free in one moment. Glory to God. And, you know, after that, praise God. After that, you know, I had this joy of salvation. I went outside and I was looking at the sky. I heard the birds chirp. And I, I, I saw the sun like I've never seen it before. I, I was a slave that was set free. I was a free man. And I had this joy of salvation. And, and I remember a week and two into just rejoicing. It dawned on me that I have these courts pending. I have these issues that I need to deal with. And I remember driving home and saying, Lord, can I even pray about these things? I got myself into all of these problems. And I understand that I need to get myself out of these problems because I'm a man. You know, I need to deal with my own issues. And, um, and I don't think it's just, you know, for me to get into all these issues and then ask God for help to bail me out. That was my train of thought. And I remember I got home and God spoke to me through his word for the first time. Very clearly, I opened the Bible and I read a passage when, when um, uh, Solomon was dedicating the temple to God that he just built. And he prayed and said, Lord, when your people anger you, when they turn from you, and in your anger, because uh, they are in sin, uh, when you give them into the hands of their enemies, and when they are in captivity, when they turn to you and seek you wholeheartedly because you know the hearts of men, then deliver them out of captivity. And the Lord spoke to me through this passage. 
I put you in this dead end. I put you in these problems with these criminal charges, with jail time pending for one purpose only, for you to seek for me with all of your heart. And don't use me for my benefits because I know your heart. I want you to seek me wholeheartedly and just as easy as you got into these problems, I will lead you out just as easy out of these problems. And I remember I began to seek God's face. At first, I would open the Bible. I would try to read it. Nothing would make sense. I would try to pray, pray and, and it seemed like God doesn't listen to me. And I kept doing that day after day after day. I would return from work and I would just read the word and then God began to speak to me through the word. You know, it would touch me. And, and it would start making sense. And my prayers went from five minutes to 10 to 30 to an hour. And I moved back into my parents' home. And, and see, first, God, he sets you free from the major sins. But there are a lot of inner conflicts, a lot of things you have to deal with, which is like pride and lust and, and things of that sort. And the Bible says, when you come to know the truth, the truth shall set you free. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you will come to know the truth. And it shall set you free. And as I was reading the Gospels and, and his word was sanctifying me, my eyes began to open, my spiritual eyes, to the goodness of God, the things of God. And, and the more attractive Jesus became, the more attractive, you know, just fellowship with him was. And the, the more disgusting sin was, the more disgusting the things that this world uh, offers was to me. And I, I remember I just... For, for months, a month, two, three, I began to see God's face. And I remember reading a passage, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you, says the Lord. And I remember asking the Lord just, just simply, you know, the Bible says, God is sincere with those that are sincere. Just sincerely, I said, Lord, how do I draw near to you? Because when you draw near to me, you, you, you come with your peace and your joy and your grace. And, and I love it when, you, when, when your presence visits me, when you... When, when I have this fellowship with you, uh, and, but how do I draw near to you so I can get even more of that grace? Because, you know, when, when God gives you joy and grace, it, it's so much better than anything this world has to offer. No sin can, can fill that void in your heart. It's, it's like a painkiller that, that numbs your pain for a short time. And then you have even more pain after. But God's grace and the comfort of the Holy Spirit... Just brings healing to us, healing to the soul. And I, I said, God, I want more of that. And the Lord spoke to me, the Holy Spirit, through fasting and praying. I began to fast. And, and at that time, there was no Facebook, so I didn't really need a social media fast. I, I just began to refrain from food and even water and, and seek the Lord's face more. And after the sanctification process, the Lord began to speak to me about just to share his heart with me. Uh, concerning people that were perishing. And I remember reading Romans chapter 9, where Apostle Paul says, it, it is a con constant anguish to me. And I've seen my brothers, according to the flesh, perishing. And I remember reading this passage, and he says, if I were able to, I myself would be rather be accursed from Christ for their salvation. And I remember reading this passage. I'm working construction, remodeling. I'm meditating on the, God's word. And I'm thinking, how is it possible for someone to be willing to change their place with sinners? To give up his salvation and be separated from Christ for their salvation. How is that possible? How is that possible for someone to have so much compassion for sinners? And so much uh, just love for, for sinners? And, and I understood it's not possible for men. 
Only with the Holy Spirit it is possible. And I began to pray, God, give me a compassion for sinners. Like Apostle Paul had. Like Jesus had. So that I myself would have a compassion on them and would be willing to lay my life down for others. And I remember one day after uh, youth service, I was driving home and I stopped by Starbucks to get a cup of coffee before I went home to my prayer room. And I met an old acquaintance. Her name was Olga. And I told her, Olga, God saved me. Uh, it's so wonderful to serve the Lord. And we, we used crystal meth together before at, at these house parties. And she said, Johnny, I'm still addicted to drugs. I'm perishing. My parents kicked me out of the house. I'm living on the streets. They're promising me a car. They say, just stop using drugs. We'll give you a car. And she says, but they don't understand that I can't stop. I, they don't understand what addiction is. And, and I need help. Can you, can you help me? I can see the joy that you have. And I, I, I want that. And I remember sitting in my car after talking to her and exchanging phone numbers. And the Lord just baptized me with compassion. As I got into my car, I, I began to see like a, a mental, um, um, like a video clip, like a slideshow of pictures of all of my friends that were perishing in the world. And I began to weep. I began to pray and say, God, I pray that you would set these people free. I remember driving home and just yelling at the top of my lungs, God, I'm tired of Satan stealing my friends from you and from me. I want to do something about it. God, use me. I've had money. I've had everything this world has to offer. I don't want anything. God, just use me for your glory. I want to be used by you. And I remember getting home that night, and that's the night that God called me to ministry. I opened the Bible, and my eyes landed on a passage, Jeremiah 22, 3, do what is just and right. And deliver the one who has been robbed from the hand of his oppressor. And the Holy Spirit just began to reveal this passage to me. That those that are robbed and oppressed are sinners. People struggling with addiction. And many would say they need to get their acts together. But they don't understand that there is an oppressor that's robbing them and oppressing them. And I'm calling you to deliver these people from the hand of the oppressor. And I made a promise to God. I said, God. My whole life I'm dedicating to you. I want to serve such people. I want to help such people. I want to do your work, God. Very shortly after, we started a ministry. And um, like I said, we, we named it God Will Provide. Uh, first, we named it Jehovah Jireh, International Mission. And then we would, we would go to court with, um, you know, with, with ex-drug addicts uh, to get their cases cleared. And the, the judges would always think we're Jehovah's Witnesses. So we had to change it to God Will Provide. Um, uh, and God will provide life change centers and we, we bought a house just by the mercy of God and a big house outside of the city limits of Portland and I moved in with no, no education no, no proper training we just visited a few teen challenge centers and, and we, we, we saw their daily schedule and we just began to pray and fast and see God's face and, and God began to lead people into our home and God began to deliver people from their addictions, just through prayer, through, through, through encountering Jesus Christ, us leading people through the scriptures to Jesus, you know, that they would come to know the truth that would set them free, and in three years, we, our house was packed, we had 34 men living under one roof, 
imagine 34 people. We were putting mattresses anywhere we could. The, the waiting list was growing, and we were grieved that people were calling. We weren't able to take anyone else in, and we took a seven-day fast, and we were praying, God, give us another home. Give us another home so that we can continue to take people in. And within a couple months, God gave us a second home. And we bought a second home. And we began to take men in there. And then in a short time, we opened a women's center, began to take women in. And, and when God began to deliver these people, they, they would say, well, we want to serve in the church. We want to do something for God. And we're thinking, uh, there's, there, there are no ministries left in the church. Like, these ex-drug addicts are everywhere. You know, they're the ushers. They're doing the security. They're, they're the sound techs. And, 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 and they're serving with young couples ministry and with youth ministry and with all these other ministries. And we began to pray, God, what, what do we do with these people? And, and God spoke to us to go to India. And around 10 years ago, we went to India on a first trip. And we began to build an orphanage there. And now we have five, six churches there. And, and, and then God in 2010 led us to Mozambique, Africa. And uh, after the first trip, we sent out a container. and We began an orphanage project, and, and now we have uh, close to 70 churches in Mozambique, Africa. I just returned from there on Thursday, where we ordained 30 ministers for ministry uh, to oversee these churches and to, to, to do the work of God there. And, and then God began to lead us to other countries. And, and then uh, we... The Lord spoke to us that you need to open a missionary school. You need to train these people, a Bible school. So we opened a short-term Bible school where, where we train them for four months and we send them out, uh, young people and, and, and those that got delivered for three months or six months at a time into the mission field. And, and uh, the mission school became full and, and God began to do a work through this mission school. And, uh, and by the grace of God, we uh, have centers in different states now. And churches, and we serve in, in 30 nations now, um, where we have missionary bases. And some countries like Somalia, where we don't have a missionary base because uh, they practice Sharia law. So you're not even able to mention that you're a Christian. But for now, we just minister there with humanitarian aid. And the Lord keeps telling us, the time will come, and I will open the doors. You will preach the word freely. Praise God. And you know we 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 uh, serve these people with with uh, that run to, to flee from the south to the north, from Magadishu and from the south they go to uh, Somaliland to the north and they live in refugee camps and God gives us an opportunity to serve them as well and to bring food to them and we we so desire to share God's word with them and but it's not time yet. God will do His work and therefore, brothers and sisters, the the Bible says here what we read that we must know that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Amen? You know, without faith, it is impossible to please God. We read in the book of Acts, the church, they prayed, they ministered the word, and they believed in God. And God did the rest. God expanded his kingdom. God used them mightily. Many signs and wonders were performed. They just put their trust in God. Today, God is calling us as believers to have faith in the Lord and to know that he is a rewarder of those that seek him. God is calling us today to seek him more, to seek his face more, to know his will for our lives. And when God begins to speak, don't doubt him. Don't doubt him. 
just take steps of faith. Take steps of faith, and like I said, if it's God's will, he'll pay the bill. Start taking steps of faith, and everything will start coming together. God, it will start working everything out. I will share one last testimony before we conclude. I remember we were sending a container to India. And the container was practically packed with things for the orphanage a building project. And all we needed left was uh, the plumbing. We had a plumber in the church that made a material list for us. And he said everything would cost the pipes and the, the toilets and showers. Everything would cost $2,000. And we didn't have these $2,000. And like in a day or two, this container had to be shipped out. And I remember I was driving with, with one of our ministers. And we were praying, God, we need the, this plumbing. What do we do? And the Lord put it on my heart to call an individual that I haven't spoken to for about five years. I call him and I say, Leo, how's it going? He says, hey, John, I, I heard you're doing some missionary thing. What's going on? I haven't spoken to you for years. I'm like, yeah, we're, we're serving and we're doing this thing in India and we're sending a container and we need some money. And he says, how much do you need? And, and uh, the minister that was driving with me, I'm on speaker. He says, tell him we need $1,000. <laughs> God puts it on my heart. I say, we need $5,000. He's like, whoa, that's a lot of money. But uh, stop by my office tomorrow morning. Here's the address. And I stopped by there. And he says, well, so what's going on? What do you need? I said, we need $5,000 because we need 2000 for plumbing. And we also need a hammer drill and cement mixers and regular drills and extension cords. We need a lot of power tools also that we were not able to put into this container. And he smiled. He pulled out his checkbook. He says, you know what happened? Yesterday, I prayed to God and I said, Lord, I know I'm in debt to you. You've been blessing my business so much. Can you tell me, please, indicate to me where I should donate? Who I need to help with my finances? And he says, right after you prayed, right after I prayed that prayer, you called me. And therefore, I know I need to help for your project. Here's a check for $5,000. Praise God. God is faithful. Hallelujah. I wish I could share more. There's so much to share, but our time has come. To conclude, may God bless you. May we have faith in God, because that's the only currency that heaven accepts.